Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. Last night I was thinking, and I did something absolutely crazy. I became ordained. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we have done it. We have completed viewing of the historic <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise season eight, 16 episodes. That has never been done in the history of Paradise before. It's never been done in the history of, I believe, Bachelor before. I don't think they've ever had a 16-episode season. They usually come in at about 13. They said it couldn't be done, and perhaps it couldn't. But we made it through. We made it through. A lot of lessons learned. A lot of interesting things happened this season. And of course, tonight was the big finale. We got to see how the two remaining relationships turned out. And we got to see a bunch of our favorite players from this past season come back and make their case live on stage or semi-live. They shot it a couple of weeks ago. But make their cases for why you should or should not be sending them death threats uh, for the next month or two. (laughs) (laughs) And most, most importantly... (laughs) We finally got to take our groggles off, and we got Greg Grippo. Well, even more importantly than that, we finally got to hear from Sally Carson. We finally got her full side of the story. They were nice enough to invite her there, and they gave her all that screen time, and they gave her a hot seat and everything. Of course, they didn't. Maybe they did. We don't know. They could have cut it out. They could have been worse. They could have given a hot seat to the suitcase. Got, they probably did. They probably cut that out, too. They cut out a lot of stuff. And we're going to get to that. But before Ooh. we do, before we get to any of it. You got some grapes, Clues? Me grapes? Nah. The great one has all the grapes in his sour grape cellar right alongside some of his tea. But what we must discuss is our ornaments. Right now, if you go to GameOfRoses.co, you can pick up some ornaments for your holiday decor, whether you got a tree or a refrigerator because they have magnets on them or anything (laughs) that can hang something or support a magneted object. Your ring light. (laughs) Yeah, you can put one on your ring light. They are beautifully uh, designed little Christmas tree shapes or pine tree shapes, if you will. And they have Dark Lord Palmer's terrifying visage adorning them with his glowing red eyes. They can stare back out at you all night long on whatever holiday you're celebrating in the coming months. Yeah, it's to go with, you know, the holiday tradition of putting like an angel on a tree. DLP's face. If you're looking for a stocking stuffer, it's a great one. It'll confuse the living shit out of anyone you give it to who's not already in the pit. And then you get to drag them in. Confusion is fun. Confuse someone in your life this holiday season. Gameofroses.co. And you can also pick up our pit sweatshirts. I'm wearing Free Spirit Light Blue in honor of tonight's finale. And speaking of fun, Pace Case and I must say that we are looking very forward to going to Stefan Lovegrove's upcoming Noel Ball, the second annual. Uh... I am getting pieces for my outfit, which I consider to be an art project. This is a piece of art. It will be a piece of performance art as well. And I plan on turning more than a few heads. Your look. My look, yes, for sure, is a piece of performance art. I don't know if if you saw Machine Gun Kelly at the American Music Awards. (laughs) That's your Noel Ball look. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Clues 
has guaranteed he's going to turn heads. So he's going to do it by whatever means possible. Something a little different. I will say I'm not going to be wearing my traditional black, which is what I usually wear in all of my outfits. This is a something slightly different. Stepping it up for the ball. Wowee. That's indeed. worth your price of admission right there. It is indeed. But we look forward to that. And uh, once again, if you want an ornament, you can get it at gamerose.co. Speaking of Stefan Lovegrove's ball, and I've heard some of the people from Love is Blind are going to be there as well. We are starting our Love is Blind season three journey next week. Starting on Tuesday, we're going to come out with a big two episode premiere. The first two Love is Blind episodes from season three. We're going to be recapping those for our Tuesday episode. And to be clear, you do not need to watch the first two seasons of Love is Blind to understand Love is Blind season three. (laughs) Premise is exactly the same. Right. And if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you're going to hear a lot of similar language used because there are a lot of game elements that are used in our beloved game that have one-to-one translated directly into Love is Blind. There are going to be a few new game elements, too, that don't exist in our beloved game, and we're going to be breaking those down as well. But we really are looking at this as kind of our first foray into an adjacent game, one that obviously can't exist without The Bachelor, that would never have existed without The Bachelor, but that is a slight derivative of it. It's a a little bit Mm -hmm. of a change, a lot the same, some things different, but we are really going to be looking at it in terms of a game. And how do you play this game? How do you break it down? Are there good players? Are there bad players? Right now, we're in these early phases of it. Very reminiscent of the first three seasons of The Bachelor, what we call the uh, classic seasons, where the format isn't even established yet, really. You're still missing big pieces of the game at that point. And I think that's true with Love is Blind as well. I think they're about to enter their experimental phase where things are going to start getting shaken up and you're going to start seeing players getting better and better. Because from what, at least what I've seen so far... These players don't know how to play the game just yet. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm only at the pods level right now. And I I might catch up this weekend because it's very hard to avoid spoilers. But that will be our Tuesday episode. And then on Friday of next week, we will have our top 10 takeaways from this season of Bachelor in Paradise. God, there were 100 takeaways from this season. It's going to be very hard to boil it down to 10, but we're also going to give our year-end awards. There were 100 from this episode. (laughs) I know, I know. But we'll also be giving out our year-end awards, our player of the season, our play of the season, face play of the season, creature of the season, air of the season, Jorge Moreno of the season, all of it. So please tune in for that. But now, let's do what we came here to do, Pace Case. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. The episode begins with the intro. Tonight, on the season finale of BIP, the final two couples, biggest, scariest, important decisions, who will get engaged, timeless love, sparklers, the shocking final moments in Mexico. But first, the live reunion. Let the chaos begin, Dark Lord Palmer says. Is there still a chance for Rodney and Eliza? Are Michael and Daniel still together? Did Brandon and Serene tie the knot? And all the shocking questions about Victoria Fuller and Johnny. Grippo is mentioned in this promo. It all starts right now on BIP. Portion one. The first Grippo mention. I mean, we'll get to Grippo, but he basically manufactured entree into a season he was not in. Outstanding play by Grippo. We will get to it. Portion one begins. DLP emerges into the live (laughs) studio audience. Everyone is happy. Everyone is cheering. And we see for one brief shining moment. 
a man in the audience raising his hands above his head, hands balled into fists, screaming at the top of his lungs in excitement for being at a live event. And this man was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I also took a picture of this man. Yeah. His face play was outstanding. Outstanding face play. I love the enthusiasm. It's a beautiful way to kick it off. I felt like he was thematically saying, this is what you're going to get here. A super enthusiastic audience. Now, I will say this about the audience in that room. There was a lot more play going on from the audience than we got to see. I have personal confirmation that there were many signs made with love and care brought into this audience that we never, ever saw. And I couldn't believe it. Mm. I believe this is part of the degorification of our beloved game. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it feels like it is. A tradition as old as time. So I'm just saying, some of the signs I know had hidden gore language in them. And we saw mm. none of them. I did see the uh, empathetic yes. king sign. Chris Ann put a photo of that on our Instagram page. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Not in the documents, unfortunately. But in the document, we see the chairs for the first time. We see Sally Carson, Hunter Hagee, Jesenia Cruz, Kate Gallivant, NC Abedin in the back row, front row, Eliza, Jill, Aaron Clancy, Lace, Justin, Shanae, and Rodney. And DLP points out Bachelor Nation royalty in the house, Kenny and Mari, Rachel Reckia and Gabby, and our newest newlyweds, Joe and Serena. And she rests his head on him and he is wearing this gray vest that I could I kept rewinding I kept photographing what is that grocery what are you wearing I don't know anything about fashion literally don't know anything about it saw that vest knew something was wrong knew something was definitely wrong all I could think <laughs> in my mind is Serena is like Come on, grocery. We gotta we gotta look nice for this. They're gonna present us as bachelor royalty. Please, can you? Okay, fine. I'll put on a, a sweater vest over my best white t-shirt. I mean, <laughs> you think this is her idea, the gray vest? No, I think his idea was gonna be just the white t-shirt, and he's like, "Fuck this!" And she's like, "Come on, dude, dress it up a little bit." And he's like, "Fine. How about this?" No, here's what I think <laughs> happened, Serena. <laughs> Hey, uh, grocery, why don't you dress up nice? You you only wear that one shirt. Please take it off. Please but wear something nice. He goes, you want me to wear something nice? Here, Grandpa Grocery, this is what you're getting. I, I'm wearing a vest. You said it was nice. I made it nice. <laughs> He's doing his best. Uh, unfortunately for grocery, this falls a little bit flat. But I do think it is important here to notice. There are only 19 of the 43 players who appeared on sand in Bachelor in Paradise Season 8 mentioned here. There are 19 in these chairs. Now, we know we're missing four players whose stories are unresolved. That's Brandon, Serene, Victoria Fuller, and Johnny. But we're also missing Adam Todd, the Australian, 
Alex Bordyakov, who was involved in a love triangle for a second. Uh, Brittany Galvin, who we know from promos, will be there, but she is not in these chairs. Casey Woods is gone, a man who played a beautiful IFI mm. over the course of the season. Daniel Maltby is not present. We know she will be later in a hot seat. Florence Mornhout, not there. Haley Mollis, not there. Hayden Markowitz, not there. James Bonsall, not there. The Young Twins, not there. Lindsey Windham, Mara Agrate. Olio is not there. We know he's going to come back. Olu Onahide is not there. Peter Izzo is not there. Tabletop Rick Leach is not there. Sarah Hamrick is not there. Tyler Norris is not there. We know he's coming back. And perhaps most importantly, Teddy Wright is not there. Now, yes. she was a very important player in the course of this season. And to not see her here makes me think she was invited and said, go fuck yourself to these producers who essentially destroyed her uh, for their own entertainment over the course of Bachelor in Paradise season eight. I just found it very interesting. And, and also, you know, yeah. we're, we're looking at the first person they mentioned is Sally Carson, who we never see again in the entire fucking edit. I don't know if they gave her a hot seat. I don't know what her actual participation was like on this night, but the producers chose to eliminate her from the edit. We then see Jacob, Sierra in the back row, Kira, Romeo, front row, Logan, Andrew, Genevieve, Shanae, Rodney. And DLP says everyone's favorite matchmaker and mixologist. Let's hear it for Wells. And they have set up this... His own bar in the corner of this no, set, no, his prison. No, I wrote this. I'm just going to read verbatim the note that I, I wrote. They even have Wells off to the side of the stage as a bartender in a little tiki hut bar setup. How demeaning. He will never be host. The real host, DLP, sits comfortably on a couch in a nice suit while Wells is trapped. The forever fool in his bartender outfit, and a set they built specifically to remind us that he only exists in paradise. Even here, in this live event in Los Angeles, California, they reconstructed his place in paradise and trapped him in it forever. It's like an adult playpen on the stage. It's unbelievable. He's a cartoon character. And uh, not used at all. Almost completely eliminated from the edit as well. No. I mean, he should have been giving drinks out to people during the whole set at, like, funny times, at least, if you have this premise set up. Yes, of course. And maybe he did, but they just cut it. So then it's this whole thing that's like, how much money did they spend? To, like, they're paying him to do that, I bet. Or maybe it's just part of his overall payment package for Paradise. I don't know. Well, this was a note I had. The studio it looks really nice, and they put so much into this set and i'm just like i have one question who in the nation has been clamoring them to elevate wells like this oh i think it's wells i think he's the person in the nation who's been clamoring for the elevation you think he was like i need my own set or i walk i think he is friends with the current producer tier because of who he is uh married to engaged to are they married now they're married sarah highland yeah I think it's like, oh, she's a legit fucking celebrity. And I think all these uh, producers that are his buddies like that and they want to come to the shit and whatever. So it's like, yeah, he's like a cool person and within our our current setup of the game. Well, you know what? This also confirmed mm. for me. My theory that they filmed that Wells story time in L.A. Mm. The one that was summing up the season. I think you're maybe absolutely right. I'll go to yeah. that conspiracy town with you. Thank you. <laughs> DLP challenges those among the fourth audience 
who laughed at his proclamation that this was the most dramatic season ever. He says, watch this and tell me I'm wrong about it being the most dramatic season ever. And he initiates our first reel. This is basically a, in quotes, drama reel, but it's actually misery. And this is what the producers don't understand. (laughs) Misery is not drama. Misery is misery. Seeing people cry and break down emotionally is not drama. They put NC's breakdown in there. Yeah, exactly. How's that fucking drama? Drama is, oh my God, look at this situation. Who's going to make what decision? How will the situation resolve? That is drama. Watching people be fucking reduced to tears on purpose because producers are, uh, you know, taking sleep away from them, making them drunk all the time, and then setting up these horrific, these horrific situations for them. That's not drama. Nonetheless, we watched the first reel. Here is my only takeaway from the drama reel. Jill Chin's fucking face play. Give us a Jill Chin bachelorette season, you cowards. I agree. Make it happen. Clues. I'm trying my best. Believe that. Believe that I am putting every ounce of effort I have into saving our beloved game. (laughs) I do believe that. Thank you. (laughs) I'm also scared. (laughs) (laughs) DLP throws to Romeo first. He puts a picture of his face when he left with Kira Mm -hmm. up on the screen, then throws out uh, to Wells. He's like, Romeo, check out how crazy your face looked when uh, you left with Kira. Steve Kornacki. Yeah, and then he cuts to Romeo. Or he cuts to Wells before Romeo can even answer. And Wells really eats up his screen time here. Your facial expression has got to be the funniest thing I've ever seen in paradise, hands down. And that's the last time we're going to hear from Wells. He screams this line. Why? They gave it to him. I mean, they said you have to say this. This is a scripted line. Is he not Mike? I think he is. I think he's just trying to like, Wells has never been in front of a live audience like this. This is his first, like, okay, we'll see how you do. Doesn't do well, obviously. They don't put him in any of the rest of the edit. That line was uh, from another planet. (laughs) Yes. This whole thing, the Wells and the Tiki Bar was a mistake. Shouldn't have done it. It also demeaned the, like, these live events, whether it's for Paradise or the main game, the live events really are like a prestigious thing. Everybody gets dressed mm-hmm. up. There's a live audience. You're you're sitting literally in the middle of a fucking stage in front of like a, a theater in the round. These are elevated things within the nation. So even when you're on Paradise and you're getting bitten by bugs and fighting crabs and all this shit and sweating your ass off, when you come here to this, this is Hollywood. This is Los, Ange- Los Angeles, California. You're on a TV set. To have Wells there doing this uh, comedic bit that falls flat it just brought the whole thing down a notch, I felt like. So I'm glad that it was like left here in the first moments and we never come back to it. I do think that was a, a correct decision in the editing. Absolutely. We check in with Kira and Romeo and they continue this kidnapping play. Oh, God. And they elevate it. They fucking make out. I mean, there was just so much play this episode, but so far, my play of the game. It was unreal. She manufactured this entire fucking thing in the parasocial plays outside yes. of the game during the watchback. She concocted this whole story, this uh, a comedic story, obviously, that she has kidnapped Romeo and he is being held against his will basically in this relationship with her. And now they've carried it into a narrative in the show itself. That's incredible. 
They took something that they created purely in the parasocial arena. It's now a part of the document. Fucking absolutely brilliant. I love everything Kira did this season. She really wasn't given enough time. She wasn't given enough resource. But what she did have in both time and resource, she used to the maximum. And it paid off here. This is like a brilliant uh, kind of like cap to a, a really well-played season, I thought, by her. 100% agree. DLP then brings up Split Week. We hear some cheers, and then we see a fuck you, Jesse Palmer sign. And he says, don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger in all this. He speaks directly to clues through the document to join my side. I wrote, this is the first taste he's giving us of his dark powers in this episode. Messenger for who? The producers. He's essentially saying he can carry out their dark bidding, but should not be held responsible for the repercussions. This is true Dark Lord work here. It's doublespeak. I'm just telling you things that other people are telling me to say. (laughs) I have no control over it. It's written here. It's not him. (laughs) He said like Mother of Pearl on this like baking show. Something like that. This ain't that baking show. Chris Harrison hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Does that make him a nice, gentle, empathetic king? I rest my case. You can't rest your case. You didn't win. You can rest your case anytime you want, I think. I don't know how it works. I rest my case. (laughs) Okay. Sustained. Is that how it goes? (laughs) Sinead then explains that uh, the split had a huge impact because it was so unexpected, ruined conversations that needed to happen. DLP presses her on her resentment for Logan when he explored a date with Kate that week, but she did the same thing. She uh, claims he did it out of spite, not wanting to explore other connections, and she explains that Logan told her to play in open options at the rose ceremony. Logan responds. He says it's possible to be happy and confident and also not want to tie somebody down. He tried to communicate that, obviously didn't get through. He further explains that he did not go on the date with Kate out of spite, and Shanae's mind does not change. We then begin portion two. Back in the studio, DLP throws to Kate Still talking about the split week. And we are back into the Kate, Shanae, Logan triangle. She says she and Logan both wanted to explore their relations, but there were some concerns she had about Logan. She then apologizes to Logan for how she said those concerns, claiming they were only meant for her girlfriends. And this attempt by Kate to apologize for everything she said over the course of the season was my... Error, 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 error of... The game. Logan immediately counteracts her and chimes in saying, "Uh, there's cameras and mics everywhere. You thought I wasn't going to see and hear that? So we know immediately Kate is not unaware of that. She's trying to, to kind of work up a false logic argument here that it's like, I didn't know you were going to hear it. That wasn't meant for you. It's like, you know, you're on a reality show. You know, he's going to hear it. So it falls away immediately. Even while she's saying it, she's kind of smiling, like knowing that it's, it's not exactly accurate. And I just think that you don't try to do damage control after you've done this much damage. Your only real option is to lean heavy into it. Play the fucking villain you were in the show and then say it's a character. Logan, I'm sorry <laughs> if it made you feel bad. I love your uh, Instagram responses to it. They're hilarious. But like, come on. We all know I was playing a character, right? Like, I'm a villain. That That's the whole deal. This is a TV show. None of that was real. That's the angle you take it. You say my emotions for you were real, but the character I was playing was not. 
Yeah, and that definitely won't get edited out of the show. Fine, let it get edited out of the show. You can then go on Instagram and say that's what you said. That That's cats out of the bag now. It doesn't even matter what's in the fucking show, in my opinion. Anyway. We then get big audience cheers for this monologue that Logan does, kind of like a career, early career PTC of sorts. Four years ago, he moved to Cali with nothing but his car, wanted to work in film. He was a did scuba, walked dogs, built this amazing career using his camera. He's so proud of it. I told her she tried to humiliate me for it in front of my friends. I wish she had told me so I could explore other things. It showed who you were. And DLP is like, sorry, it didn't work out. Another couple impacted and then points to Jill and Jacob. He says, hey, Jill, tomato, tomato, pretends to have tomatoes thrown at him. Mm-hmm. We got to work on the improv. Look, that's his only flaw. (laughs) Oh, my God. I just, again, I'll never know if you're being sincere with me or if this is a bit to you. This man is sinister. He's a dark lord now. (laughs) He's embraced it. The powers are flowing through him. See, I'll never know what level is a bit to you. What? That's not a bit. Zero percent. You're saying zero percent bit that he's a dark lord. Not a literal dark lord. You know what I mean? He's a host of the Bachelor franchise, which means he knows the dirt that these producers do. He's conscripted into promoting that dirt into in some ways facilitating it in some cases. He knows what he's doing is detrimental to these people's mental health. He is very aware of that and does it anyway and does it with glee. That is a dark lord. Glee. Where's the glee? When he rubs his hands together, when he's smart, when he's like, hi, everyone. You're not going to like what you have to hear. Like when he did the fucking split week and he comes in and he's like, everything's Mm -hmm. about to change. He knows he's purposely wrecking these relationships. He knows that and he loves it. That's a dark Lord. Nonetheless, he doesn't love it. There's no objective evidence of his love for it. And there is objective evidence of Clancy doing a little crawl, crawl hand at his chest Mm -hmm. saying that he loves DLP. Okay. Anyway, we see uh, Jill says <laughs> Split Week broke her, and we see a grocery sad face. And she says she mates for life. Jacob says, in my head, I was thinking Jill would have lived this paradise lifestyle. I would see what's out there. But watching that breakup, I have one regret during the whole process. I had such a connection with you, Jill, that honestly, he gets up, grabs her hands. She screams at him with her signature wildcat style and he says as far as distance i think we have a real connection i'm open to a relationship with you if you are she's open as well and they kiss and then he picks her up and carries her off tarzan style this -hmm. is all scripted and well done i have to say it felt scripted it felt very scripted but nonetheless a big audience moment here everybody's applauding and this is really the only thing we get that is of this ilk usually in these reunion shows especially in paradise you get somebody coming out of the audience to cut somebody's hair off or somebody dumping sauce on themselves (laughs) some kind of real bombastic play this is the only time that we see it tonight i thought it worked i mean i i don't assume they're actually in a relationship or anything like that they have pre-scripted this together decided this is what's going to happen she knew he was going to pick her up and uh, they just went through with it. You know, they carried out the scripted act. Portion three begins. We're back in the live audience. DLP reminds us about Rodney and Eliza and Glaze, that triangle. 
and we get the reel of that triangle. DLP then makes Rodney describe what he's feeling as he watches. Rodney says he was looking for a spark. He felt it with Eliza. It was tough. Eliza explains the saddest thing is that she feels like it was supposed to be Rodney. That's what she wanted. She's sad and disappointed, and she wishes everything would have gone differently. If only the producers didn't keep Justin Glaze in his hotel room for an extra week and bring him back specifically to destroy you. If only they hadn't done that, maybe you'd be with Rodney now. No one says that, though. DLP rubs it in Rodney's face. Yeah, maybe if they had said, Justin, Eliza's with your boy. That, anything. If they had told Justin the truth, if they had told her the truth, anyone the truth, but no, they destroyed this relationship on purpose. DLP rubs it in Rodney's face. You told her to go on the date. Rodney corrects him. What I actually said was, if you don't 100% know it's (laughs) me, then you should go on the date. He didn't want to be toxic or controlling. Eliza again says, I wanted you to forbid me from going on the date. And Rodney says, I told you, I didn't want you to go. Was that not enough? We get this little kind of like, uh, it's basically a redo of the same argument that they had on sand. DLP asked her if she still has feelings for Rodney. She says, yes, she's never stopped having feelings. She apologizes to him, says they had something real, produces tears. Rodney says uh, he doesn't know how to feel, calls her amazing and says that he wants her to be happy, but he is still hurt and humiliated in front of everyone. Feels like he's getting better and coming back to life, wishes her the best and the end of that portion. I got a commercial for a reality show called Back in the Groove. Did you get that commercial? DLP introed the commercial. Okay, then you did. Um, he said it's about ladies wanting to date young men. I'm watching that show. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't have Hulu anymore. I'm getting fucking Hulu again. You, I'm seeing these shows and I'm like... Commercial successful. <laughs> yeah, it worked on me. I'm like, I got to fucking see this. Those women look fucking outstanding they all of them look like super fucking reality characters to me producer is said in the trailer yeah i can't wait for that one anyway portion four begins dlp intros the parisi clancy relationship parisi gets our first hot seat he intros their relationship reel and then he asks her how it feels to watch it back always ask that brought back a lot of emotions makes her sad reminds her of what could have been but overall frustrating dlps clancy to the hot seat joining her he echoes what she said for him leaving paradise For him, after leaving Paradise, he remembers the good things mainly. Watching it back is hard because there was real love involved, but the fights are tough to watch. They reveal the last time they spoke was in Paradise, and uh, she takes accountability for her emotional reactivity. He also apologizes. The audience goes wild. Not much of a hot seat here. It's basically just a, yeah, we both fucked up. All right, have a good life. I thought this buried hatchet was a great play. I guess. It just... It just fizzled. The whole thing, like their whole relationship was so fucking uh, wild and like emotional and it was a mm-hmm. roller coaster. And then it's just like... You want them to get back together. Or something. Fight, get back together. Uh, at least say something funny. Aaron Clancy was particularly subdued. This is not the Clancy I saw on Sand. You know why? I think he's getting attacked on the internet. This is just the nature of being in our beloved game. I mean, I think both of them are. For sure. I think all of these people are getting attacked on the internet and are now subdued like... You don't want to like do a misstep. I thought they did a pretty four TRR uh, heartbreak reunion here. And portion five, we get Tyler and Brittany. Tyler sets up that they're not together. And he says that he had walls. She came to Jersey. He went to Chicago. It was perfect. She said, I want to go to London, then Italy to Italy. She FaceTimed me. That we were two different people living two different lives and couldn't do it anymore. The day I got dumped on Rachel Reckia on TV. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, is this real? 
And Tyler's 40WR accusation against Britney was my... Error, 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 error of the game. He could have buried the hatchet. He could have gotten kind of like the Rodney edit that we're seeing. But he was just like holding on to this. And it just makes both of them look bad. Tyler was holding on to a lot from a lot of this. Well, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get to <laughs> oh that. My God. We'll get to yeah. that a little bit later. But I also just want to bring two things into attention. One, when Tyler starts talking about Brittany FaceTiming him from Italy, they cut to a yeah. shot of Jacinia Cruz, who almost got my face play. Oh, hers was so good. 100% full eye aperture open, expression of shocked bewilderment. It was very good. It would have been my face play any other week. Yeah, but you're... I mean, I'm sorry to say it to everybody who was there tonight. You're simply up against one of the greatest face players who has ever played the game. You're simply up against that. And it's like, you you know, you can be a very good basketball player even on your best night. If you're playing against Michael Jordan, you simply will not win. You simply will not even come close to winning. You simply should not be playing that game against him. That said, I also want to bring attention to this. (laughs) (laughs) This idea that he got dumped by Brittany Galvin on the night he also got dumped by Rekia in the watchback of Bachelor at 19 is yeah. it's a little glimpse into what it is actually like to be in these relationships and also see them play out on TV at the same time. During the watchback. Yeah, and we, yeah. we get a couple other moments. One really important one, actually, that comes a little bit later where a watchback is kind of talked about or what's seen on TV and what part of your relationship do you bring to the TV element versus what you hold back. Yeah, Victoria brings it up. Exactly. And we'll get to that when that happens. But I just thought that it was interesting, these mentions of, you know, I'm getting dumped in real life by the person that I was just on Paradise with, while at the same time watching myself getting dumped by this other person from this same fucking game, or at least the same franchise. (laughs) But that (laughs) dumping happened multiple months ago, and now I'm having to relive those emotions while also living through the current emotions of getting really dumped. It's just such a bizarre psychological state to have to go through to even potentially be a player in this game, especially at a high level. Like, you should have known how to emotionally support me during that part of the watch back. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and it really reminded me of um, what Ultimate Viking has said. And Rachel Recchia said it ruined her relationship. Oh, my God. Ultimate Viking did such a good parasocial God, I know. Week. I know. We then get this heartbreak reunion, hot seat, Tyler and Brittany. And DLP's like, where did everything go wrong, Brittany? And she says, when we left Paradise... They were at an all-time high, and they pan to the audience, and this couple both (laughs) grimace at each other. They're not believing Britney's story one bit, and they were my dynamic duo. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Brittany says she didn't feel the same way, didn't want to waste his time, and Tyler is continuing pushing this, this, uh, this problem. You're telling me every day that you loved me, and she says that's not the way it went down. I asked for a break, then two hours later you Snapchat me. She brings up the timeline here. Four hours later a DM, and twelve hours later you say, "Can we talk right now?" Sure. 
and says it was too much. And Tyler's like, but you were continuously telling me you loved me. And she's like, we did have these conversations. It was a lack of communication. And DLP brings up the accusation. Tyler said he wasn't sure if it was real. And Brittany says it was 100%. And I loved you so much. And DLP says, is there anything to do? And Brittany says, have a conversation before it got to this point. You reached out because my mom sent you a thing on Instagram. And he says, a month after the breakup, if you love somebody, you check in on them to see how they're doing. I think I want to see what's what else is in this Tyler T. Seller. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really like a real resolution here or anything. Uh, no. DLP thanks them for coming. And that's about it. And then we get a casting card at the end of this portion. Inspired to start your own li- love triangle, quadrangle, or rhombus? Go to ABC. <laughs> portion 7 begins. DLP reminds us about Olio's PTC and the Sierra Olio Maltby triangle. He then invites Olio and Maltby to come out together. They emerge from backstage, hand in hand. There is no mystery here. We know that they are still together and very strong from frame one of seeing them. Daniel Maltby right off the bat goes, go crabs, the signature gesture to the crowd. Like, and you know, you're going to be filmed in that moment. I love that. And she's changed her hair color. And Cruz reflects it back to her. This is something that they must have been doing on Paradise. You see that this is some kind of sign they've created, some kind of visual hand signal. That was DLP's claws were crabs this whole time. No, he did the claw before Maltby ever showed up. Um, I think that this was a remnant of something that never made the edit in Paradise. I think they were doing this in Paradise and the producers were like, no, it's too much fun. We need to show these people in abject misery constantly. Get rid of the fucking fun hand sign. DLP compliments Maltby on her lovely hair. He tells both her and Olio they look super happy together. They both say life has been wonderful since Paradise has been getting getting better and better. DLP brings up Sierra. Olio says he didn't give her the kind of closure she needed. He issues a little apology here to the fourth audience. He could have given her the type of love, or he couldn't, sorry, give her the type of love she was giving him. And he apologizes for hurting her. Sierra says she wants him to be happy and find his person. That's what matters. All hatchets buried here. DLP wishes them both the best and then asks Maltby how the relationship has progressed. She says <laughs> she's moving to Akron. Not moving in. That's too much. But they are going to move to the same city. So it does look like this is progressing. DLP asks if she's met James. This is Michael Elio's young son. Elio says yes. His son loves her and she's great with him. And then DLP asks Elio about the future. Some final thoughts here. And he says, Maltby has surprised him with her patience. He's talking, of course, here about the walls that he established with his PTC play. And he's only said I love you to one person in his entire life. But, and this motherfucker casually, beautifully says, but I love you. This is a love level four live on a fucking stage for the first time in this relationship. And for that reason, it was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This Love Level 4 by Michael Olio alongside his own tear play and shocking Daniel Maltby into 4TRR surprise was also my... Play, 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 play of the game. 
He got my player of the game in last night's game and this game. He was pretty much not in the whole season, but he has come to play at the end in the playoffs. It's unreal. It's unreal. Look, I mean, where do you even begin with this? Let me go a little <laughs> further into what happens next, and then I'll give you some what I saw in this. It looks like Maltby doesn't know that this was going to happen. It looks like a true surprise. DLP even then demands to know, was this the first time you ever said it? She qualifies that. So we learn in this moment, this man, Michael Aulia, has come onto the stage and for the first time told Daniel Maltby, I love you here in front of everyone, in front of the Dark Lord, in front of all the other players, not all the other players, but at least in front of Sally Carson, who was there on the sands of VIP <laughs> with them. And in front of the representation of the fourth audience, the symbolic fourth audience who is sitting there in the theater in the round, he's saying it in front of everybody. Groceries vest. Yes, he, he's he's saying it straight into the deep V of groceries vest. He's saying it to Bachelor Nation royalty, qualifying it. He knew he was going to say this. Like, this is a, a pre-planned thing for sure. And he saved it. He made it a surprise. He didn't tell Daniel he was going to say it. He's like, I'm going to do this in the fucking moment and bring the goddamn house down. And this is what he fucking did. This is like in other sports, uh, like in basketball, when your team's down by two points, there's half a second left on the clock. You're about to inbound it. Who do you want to catch that fucking ball to sink the three-pointer? LeBron James. Michael Jordan. Derek Fisher famously uh, sank one for the Los Angeles Lakers in a playoff game many years ago. Michael Jordan is another good example. Yes. Any of these players who are clutch, basically, Stephen Curry, Olio is clutch. Olio rises to the moment when it's this, you know, in the in the last episode of Bachelor of Paradise, when he brings out the fucking compass. This is the final moment that he's going to have with her. He knows that. He's not going to propose to her. They're not going to get engaged. So this is his final moment on stage. What does he do? Does he just simply say, I think we should pursue this. Let's continue it. Fuck no. He pulls out a goddamn compass that is essentially the symbol of not only him as a player, not only his personal identity, but of the family that he used to have. It's a part of his PTC. It's also a part of his relationship with his son. He is now sharing that with Maltby. The symbolic meaning of it is I'm bringing mm -hmm. you into the, the compass club, basically. I want you to potentially be the third piece of that, the thing that's been missing for me for many years. Brilliantly fucking played. And he does it here again. He knows I've got this fucking hot seat. This is going to be the last time, at least for a minute, in the, the game itself, in the document, that I'm going to get to address my relationship and make some kind of a play here. And he love level fours, live on fucking stage. God damn it, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved this fucking play, if that wasn't clear. It was so good. <laughs> and and not having Malt be in on it just made it even better, made it seem like it's a real moment. Yes. Super for TRR. She basically reveals that she had love level forward by accident one day and then ran away to try to pretend it hadn't happened. Super for TRR, they kiss, and DLP thanks them so much for that moment. Now do it as often as you want. Open the floodgates. See? He's just like, the more love, the better. He loves love. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I just still can't get over. I'm so sorry. Just give me one more second on this, if you would. The withholding of the love level four from Maltby is really what elevates yeah. this from like, oh, fuck, best play of the night to like, that's a like a Hall of Fame level play. He keeps this information from her. They 
live in this or they're about to live in the same city, but I'm sure they talk every day. As she said, she accidentally let it slip. So it's been something in their relationship. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where one person says it before the other one is ready to say it. That then becomes a thing in the relationship where you're like, fuck, Mm -hmm. this other person has like a ticking clock a little bit on it. You know, there's a pressure to say it. I love level four on the first date, so it's not a problem. Are you serious? <laughs> no. Oh, I was like, that's a good strategy, actually. That's a good strategy. <laughs> Dating advice with clues and pace case. Yeah, you need to pull Luke Parker. Anyway, I'm just saying that he he thought about this. He thought about, should I tell her now? He was already there emotionally at some point, And he said, no, I'm not going to tell her now. I'm not going to tell her when I'm aware of the emotion yet. I'm going to wait till the best moment to do it for the game. This is for the love of Maltby and the love of the mm-hmm. game combined. Just mm-hmm. oh, fuck. Just beautifully played. Because I think a regular player would have already told her and then been like, oh, we should do it on on stage. Let's make it seem like it's the first time that I said yes. it. And that's not what happened here. He really fucking did that. God. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry irritated skin and that about 85 percent of the united states uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine that's where canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier canopy is dermatologist recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, And it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got 
ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that you don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Damn it. Anyway. Yeah. I digress. It was gorgeous. It, Yeah. DLP says it's time for proposal day. And in portion seven, he brings up the G word, groggles, Greg Grippo. <laughs> and we cut to the morning portion of the fantasy suite date of Johnny and Victoria. There is a chameleon on a branch and... They are leaving each other. Johnny says, when I see you, I'll see you. And Victoria goes, I love you. Like screaming, I love you. And he ITMs, every relationship has ended in some shitty way. Commitment is hard. Cut to him and Neil Lane. The diamond demon of our beloved game. The diamond demon of our beloved game. The diamond demon has a briefcase of diamonds that he will show you. If you make it far enough in our beloved game. And sometimes he will even tell you. If you pass his riddles. But if you don't pass his <laughs> riddles, he will shove the ring boxes to the side. And get down to business. You must face the final <laughs> demon and answer his riddle to get the diamond. I mean, it literally is that. Um, and Johnny, I guess, passes the riddle ultimately. But Neil Lane basically tells him, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. He pushes the briefcase aside in a rare moment. I don't think I've ever seen that. We get no mention here of how Neil Lane knows Sean Lowe. I was waiting for the, the Diamond Demon to make a Sean Lowe reference about you know his close personal friendship with the Golden Boy. But he did not do that. Um, we did see the Golden Boy in tonight's episode, though, which was a fucking brilliant highlight to me. Oh, we're going to get God. to that. I'm, I mean, and I'll just let you know right now, once we get to that point, it may be another hour worth of commentary. So just be ready. I spent three hours watching this two hour episode, so it's not a problem. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. When I saw the Golden Boy pull out a fucking brush and scrub down Zach Shawcross's abs. We'll get to it. <laughs> Johnny ITMs uh, that something like this should be a punch in the face or a punch in the mouth. And Victoria Fuller is the one who punches him. So he's like, fine, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. Marriage should be a punch in the mouth. I agree. And he, he gets only a brief second to look at one sparkler. We don't even get a series of them for him to look at or anything. Neil Lane, very interused here. And then we see him at the final rose pedestal, which has two roses on it. 
Because they give it to each other. No, because he's wearing like a, what is that, corsage rose. It's a different rose. There's two long stem roses sitting on that pedestal. They have to give each other final roses because it's paradise. Well, I would know that if we ever got to see that footage. Unfortunately, they cut it out of the entire fucking document. Well, I think they were trying to downplay this engagement. (laughs) They're like, this engagement's not real. They don't even give Johnny full-length pants to wear for this. They're three-quarter length. They did it with with Brandon Serene, too, though. We didn't see Brandon Serene's final roses. <laughs> we get these ITMs of them preparing for the final rose ceremony. Victoria ITMs, I'm getting engaged. What the fuck? Turns out love's not a checklist. Didn't think I was going to meet the man of my dreams of paradise. I don't think I've ever truly felt excited by any other guy I've dated. And she approaches Donnie at the pedestal. I didn't think I was going to meet you. Changed my word. Can't imagine life without you. Groggles, groggles, groggles. <laughs> Became my best friend overnight. I didn't think it's possible if I love a real relationship. I did. It was like you head over heels for you. Groggle, groggle, groggle. I would have loved if she would have came up there and he's like, oh, you look great, babe. And then she's like, do you know who Greg Grippo is? <laughs> Obviously, none of that happened, but we're forced to watch all this nonetheless. He does get down on the knee, presents the sparkler. And she says, yes, we then get a ring being placed on a finger. And just uh, so anyone listening understands how that shot of the ring going on the finger is done. They propose. It's all taken care of, wrapped up nice and neat. Then the producers go in for the close-up shots, the insert shots. We're going to need you to take that ring off and put it back on her finger. Like, just do that five or ten times, and we'll use our favorite one. And that is how those shots are done. Hmm. Interesting. We also got a religious invocation here. Donnie said, God has decided to bless me with someone as special as you. Hmm. I didn't know there was any kind of... Uh, I don't know if he's Christian. I would assume so. Usually talking about God blessing you is a Christian thing in our beloved game. But there was no mention of Jesus. But this was uh, a thing that I didn't expect. I didn't see him as a religious player. No, I feel like they, kind, they must have cut it out. Uh, but he... Scripts this uh, final speech pretty well, ends with every king as a powerful queen next to them, and you're my queen, Victoria. Neil proposal produces tears, and we get the whole standard spin. We get the couple's ITM, and Victoria says, sorry, he's been taken off the market. Don't even think about it, ladies. Sorry, bitches. And then we're back in the studio, and DLP reminds us that this is not where the story ends. And he says numerous social media threads and videos and photos <laughs> containing Greg Grippo have emerged. This is the first time we hear the mention of the man's name. No, we heard it before. Oh, sorry. We heard it before. But this is the first time that we hear DLP say it. I, I think he said it in the first portion. Maybe he did. Nonetheless, uh, this kind of kicks off a, <laughs> a section of our program tonight that Grippo is going to absolutely dominate. And remember... This is a man who has not been in game since, what was it, season 17 of Bachelorette, Katie Thurston. And here, Mm -hmm. he's about to become the most relevant thing in the entire nation. So, DLP welcomes Johnny to a hot seat. He hugs it out with DLP, and then DLP tells him he has a lot of support in the room tonight. Malt B blows him three kisses. He should do an Instagram post where he's wearing the Taisha dress, where she's just wearing all those news article headlines. Is Grego with Victoria? (laughs) If he has a Photoshop team, they should get on it right now. Johnny says he and Victoria Fuller are broken up. And DLP says that's really shocking. Johnny wants to say he's good, but it really does break his heart that they're broken up and she's not sitting next to him. It's uncomfortable. Not something he wants to talk about. 
in the time frame from shooting to airing, he felt not good enough for her and he wanted to trust her, but that didn't happen. DLP says, up next, Victoria Fuller will join Johnny in the hot seat. Portion 9 begins. This, I think, for me, was the most uh, important portion of the, the night. We're in the studio. DLP brings out Victoria Fuller. She says she feels good. She explains where it went wrong. The million dollar question. She says, hi, by the way, to Johnny. Lol. And then she says, like, she's sitting down and totally like, she's in battle mode. You can tell when she comes out, she's like, I've got an answer for this shit. And she's got her game plan in and she's going to fucking execute it. Now, I think there is debate. There's room to debate whether she did it well or not. That said, you know, from this moment, she doesn't even recognize Johnny is there. She comes in and sits down and just faces DLP like, let's go, motherfucker. I know what this is. I'm going to be interrogated. And then she's like, oh, and hi, by the way, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) This is a seasoned reality pro who's gone through some massive fucking scandals in her day. This is like her bread and butter. It's it's fun to watch her play, like to see her get an actual engagement on the show and do those ITMs that are like screaming at bitches. And like, she's just a wild card. And she explains it that when we were on Paradise, things were rainbows and butterflies, but then I wasn't happy. And then I wasn't going to be engaged if I wasn't happy to be married. And Johnny says, that's, I don't know about the timeline. I don't necessarily think it had ended completely. Johnny also says, that fits with your narrative. And there are a couple of times we hear people talking about each other's narratives. What they're really saying is your strategy. Your pre-written strategy, what you think you're going to do to come out here to mitigate whatever Mm -hmm. might be going on in the parasocial world or even within the edit, even within the context of the show itself. But that narrative they're talking about really is that. It's like, I know how you're trying to spin this. Now, here's my narrative. Here's my counter spin. And whose spin will be strong enough? The truth doesn't even fucking matter in this. They all know that. The only thing that matters is how it's perceived on this night, on that stage, by the fourth audience. And they're both fucking playing their hearts out here. This scene really was just, oh, fuck. It was hard to watch. It was a pleasure to watch. It was everything. Hard to watch. Johnny also expresses multiple times that he basically doesn't want to be here. And she says, my narrative for what? And he says, what is out there in public? And now we have to talk about it. And she's like, what is out there? And she says, remember that you were cheating on me and switched up and decided to start dating Greg. And this is something you constantly told me was not true. And this is this is a very interesting tactic in terms of uh, arguing. She says, what is out there? She knows exactly what the fuck's out there, but she's not going to give him an inch. Say the thing. And I'm going to answer it exactly how -hmm. you say it. So she's basically saying, if you don't word this exactly correctly, I'll fucking dodge it, motherfucker. You want to hit this target? Give it a shot. And he does. I'm going to find one little thing wrong with what you have just said. Yes. Brilliant fucking play right here. Uh, She says that I cheated on you is not true. It's very easy to blame another situation and other people for us not working out. I totally empathize. You see she touches his arm here. It's hard to see me moving on. What is the appropriate amount of time to move on when you called me a bleep, 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 bleep when we're supposed to be happy in love? We see an audience member clutch another one at this. Yeah. I don't know what she said right there. Um, (laughs) But the look on his face is also telling. He's in this little game here, too. 
He's taking it in. He's saying, all right, there's an accusation that I called her this bad thing. And then she goes on to say that you also said, you don't cook, you don't clean. So what do you offer a relationship as a woman? And he's like clocking that. You can see like he's not getting flustered or anything. He's just like, okay. He's probably already psychologically prepared for this possibility. (laughs) And then Tyler tries to get some screen time here. Victoria, and she just shuts him right the fuck down. This is a high-level fucking player. I'm speaking to him, and this has nothing to do with you, so you can butt out. Superstar-level play. Shut the fuck up, dude. Do you know who I am? Oh, God. This was... Shit like this is why she's such a high-level fucking player. When she wants to take control of a moment, she just does it, and there is nothing you can do to stop her. I think she could have done that same thing to fucking DLP, and he would have sat the fuck down. They were showing the promo for this episode and the end with the Victoria, like, kind of, like, tears, like, looking up. It looked like some sort of, like, special. She is this soap opera star, like, just so fun to watch. And it looks like she's maybe going to be in Zach's season? What is that? She was in the... We'll get to it, but she was in the promo. They bring back certain people, I believe, to host dates in that season. But she has issued these allegations that Johnny has called her a bad name and said, if you're not cooking and cleaning, then you're not offering a relationship anything if you're a woman. And Johnny takes it in stride. That's not what I said. That's not how it went down. He maintains that it was said when they were joking around about her not cooking and cleaning. He says anyone who knows him wouldn't knows that he wouldn't say anything like that or demean anyone, especially women. The only reason he's up there is because she made it happen. All the things he was insecure about, she made those things come true. He's uncomfortable. And the last thing he wants to do is drag her through the mud because she said things she doesn't want out there. He knows that. They both do. This is a what I dubbed a hanging sword strategy. I don't know if you remember, uh, I believe it was a Edgar Allan Poe story, Pit in the Pendulum. You know the story? <laughs> no. In it, there's a priest who sleeps under a sword that is held by a rope. And the idea is that when God wants to take him to heaven, he will. He'll use the sword. He'll cut the rope, kill the guy, and whatever. You're sleeping under the hanging sword. To me, that's what this is. It's, I got a sword dangling over you, motherfucker. Mutually assured destruction. Basically. he And then he takes the high road. He's basically like, I don't do the mm-hmm. thing you just did, basically. But the threat is there nonetheless. If he wants to, he could demolish her. Or so we're led to believe. And I don't know what he actually knows. I don't know what he actually said. But the threat of it is enough for all of us in the fourth audience to be like, fuck, she must have said some crazy shit. We have no idea. Well, we're also led to believe that by what something that happens later in this scene, which I thought was extremely interesting. Um, We, I'm talking about Tyler backstage. (laughs) But we see... Victoria say I'm expressing where the turning point was. Johnny says you're flying all over the world posting videos with Greg immediately after an engagement. She's like, when was I posting videos? It's that fact finding thing. It's like she Mm -hmm. didn't post them. Yeah, exactly. I didn't post those. Other people posted them. (laughs) The last video you posted in the honeymoon suite in Nashville, not with Greg. Victoria, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Uh, Johnny, if I really didn't did mean so much to you, to you, I would have gotten a sorry. Or just so you know, a lot is about to come out and I'm in a full-blown relationship with a guy you told me not to worry about. And she says, I wasn't in a full-blown relationship. You want this narrative to play out because you don't take accountability. Do you think this is what I wanted? I never would have gotten engaged if I didn't love you. And that's what he's trying to figure out. And then DLP gets in on this argument. 
And he kind of undercuts Victoria Fuller. He asked her about Grippo. Are you dating Grippo? Yes. Okay. Well, maybe you weren't then or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it it makes her entire argument, I I think, fall flat. And this is unfortunately what DLP does. You think he's an empathetic king? No empathy here from him. Um, Johnny then says, after she says there was no cheating, Johnny says he considers talking to someone else while they're working on their issues to be cheating, and he needs to step back and rebuild himself. DLP thanks them for coming. Who won this in your mind? But, like, I have to look at it with what they cut together next, which is Johnny and Tyler talking shit on her backstage. I feel like they're giving her a, a villain edit. They are, but in that moment, when that portion ended, how did you feel? I I don't think either of them came out clean. I agree. I agree. I felt like it was a 12-round draw between two just fucking heavyweight monsters, and they both left yeah. battered and bloody, and neither of them lost, and neither of them won. It was fucking thrilling to watch because he wasn't able to maintain the entire no high road exactly because we don't know the context of that conversation and she's like outing this shit and and she's saying he called her like nasty shit like <laughs> i can't yes. even imagine it. i'm like what did he call you and we don't know what the context of it was a pit dweller yeah <laughs> you fucking pit dweller we don't know but nonetheless you're right portion 10 begins and this is going to be another crucial portion in the studio uh, we see Dark Lord Palmer. Johnny is walking off stage. We're about to welcome Grippo to the hot seat. We get a shot of Justin Glaze as he straightens his jacket and delivers a pursed lips, side eye signature Glaze gaze that was almost my face play of the game. But it's the uh, first time we get a sense of what he's about to do next. God damn it. We didn't get a lot of Glaze this uh, episode, but what we did get was fucking pure nectar. Now in the parking lot, we see Tyler and Johnny hugging it out. So now we're getting this weird scene in the parking lot. The producers have told Johnny, you have to leave. Or maybe he told them, I don't want to be out there when Grippa comes out. I don't know. I don't know what the fact of that is. But nonetheless, they still have cameras and mics on him. They don't let him away from the show. They don't let the mm -hmm. experience of this end they just put him in the parking lot and Tyler's out there with him. DLP then tells the audience that Johnny has left the studio. I guess this is their narrative is like, we wouldn't put him through that, but keep the cameras on him and make him keep talking about it. Yeah, we're not going to do to him what we had Avon and Rachel do to... Uh... Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's literally why, they, why they're doing this. And then we see in the parking lot, Tyler is telling Johnny that she didn't love him because if you love someone, you don't do what she did on stage. Johnny didn't do that to her. Initiati initiating the idea here that for reality TV couples, there are these two relationships. One is for the cameras. Mm -hmm. One is not for the camera. And to bring off-camera comments and components of the relationship into the on-camera part is breaking some kind of unwritten rule. It's something they deal with in Housewives all the time. They they call to they call it platforming. Like you're platforming those rumors. We see Victoria bring up, this was five months ago, by the way. Here's uh, the timeline. And we see Greg Grippo oh finally enter God. the stage. This motherfucker's face when he's taking those first struts out in front of the audience again is just like, there's the shit-eating grin on his face. It's like, yeah, I'm back. 
He knows exactly what the fuck he's doing in all of this. It is chilling to watch this man work. I am so excited for this couple. <laughs> As am I. I think the parasocial play, I don't know what's come out already, probably tonight. But in the next week, I think they're going to do some uh, very interesting work, hopefully. But meanwhile, in the parking lot, we're still seeing Tyler reminding Johnny that Victoria Fuller doesn't give a fuck about him. They discuss how uh, much is appropriate time to move on. Back in the studio, DLP says it's been a moment since we've seen you, Greg Grippo. How did it happen? How did you and Victoria Fuller get together? He says they were friends for a while through mutual friends. This is, of course, the, the larger pool of bachelor dating. Once you get in any one of the games, you eventually can then date anyone else who has ever been in the game. Um, and we see that he explains he asked her to go out for a drink in Rome because they knew they couldn't go out in New York or Nashville. This is reality TV couple shit. You're like, we can't go in New York or Nashville. There's going to be fucking paparazzi everywhere. So they tried to stay away, I guess, from cameras by going to Italy, which is like, yeah, okay, I'll buy that. But they get caught anyway, as we now know. Yeah, Bachelor Nation's all over the world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. <laughs> Can't escape. It's kind of an interesting commentary on that, you know, that it is like, yeah, there's no place you can. I mean, maybe they could have gone somewhere, I guess, uh, less populated than Rome. Maybe they could have like been a little more careful with it. Maybe. Yeah. Rome's a pretty international city. Uh, <laughs> got a lot of study abroaders there. Of course. But. I do think they they took a, an honest step in trying to conceal this. I will say that. Didn't work, but they, they attempted it. DLP then asked them if they were worried about how the trip would be perceived. Victoria Fuller says, at the end of the day, no one has to understand or get it. I don't give two shits if people hate us because I have him. And then Tyler comes back in and sits down. And DLP <laughs> asks if they're in love. So I guess Johnny's gone now. DLP's like, are you guys in love? Victoria Fuller says, well, we both got these. And Justin, she uh, pulls her sleeve up. She's got a tattoo. He's taking off his shirt. And in response to these tattoos being revealed, Justin Glaze delivers another patented glaze gaze. 
fingertips from both hands touching like an evil villain, tongue slightly out, eyebrow fully extended to the heavens, eyes wide in shock and disapproval. This is why he's one of the greatest bass players of all time. And this was my... Face play of the game. I mean, just putting on a masterclass tonight. There was so much strong face play. Again, that Jacenia aperture, chef's kiss. I, th- I think it was somewhere in this segment, but Justin adjusts his jacket down and he purses his lips together, opening his eyes to full aperture, eyebrows glistening and furrowing. And it was my... Face play of the game. No one does it like Glaze. I'm sorry. You, again, your Michael Jordan metaphor. He just, it's you can't beat it. There's a, I believe it's in this segment also, right when they talk about the, the tattoos, they cut out to Kate Gallivan. She gives a face play, a very shocked yeah. reaction. And you're like, any other season, maybe that's in the conversation. It doesn't even register with me after he does what he does it erases i mean i took a picture but it registers but yeah i mean i'm talking about it so i guess i do remember it but only barely (laughs) i only barely remember by the way victoria saying we got tattoos and grippo going i guess we're gonna do that fuck and he says screw it right it says ciao italian for hi as he voluntary jacket removal plays and this just like he doesn't know what Victoria is going to do. She's like, we're doing this. We have tattoos. I love it. Grippo goes, I get it's not the best look in the world, but ah. And Victoria goes, ah, what? <laughs> I mean, it's just something I've not ever seen before in Paradise or really in the game. Somebody like coming back in through this strange angle of like, oh, we started dating, but also doing it in a time frame that it affects the outcome of the actual season that he was not a part of. I feel like we've been suffering a little bit. You know, we've been trying to get the fun back in the game and we deserved this. We deserved this Victoria Fuller, Greg Grippo couple. When I saw the first reveal of it, I was excited. Like it was a kid on Christmas and I continued to have that excitement. Couldn't agree with you more. This is a villain couple. By the way, I thought nectar was a thing Aaron Clancy made up. Oh. I just found out it was not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is like kind of what we've been talking about. The fun back in villainy. I believe this couple is a fun fucking couple. They are definitely villains and they don't give a shit. She said it. I don't give a fuck who likes us or doesn't. That's a fucking villain. I'm not here to make friends as a villain. <laughs> She's basically not here to make friends in the fourth audience. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Great. Portion 11 begins. We're in the studio. DLP reminds us that Serena and Brandon had love at first sight. We're now onto them. The proposal feels like a foregone conclusion. Or is it? He says it is. He's like, remember Serena and Brandon? <laughs> I don't get why they did this after. They should have put Grippo after that, in my opinion. Let me issue a question to you. DLP, empathetic king, blah, blah, blah. The proposal feels like a foregone conclusion. Or is it? Why would he say or is it? Mouthpiece. What do you mean? It's scripted. Yeah, he's doing lies. That's a lie, though. Don't hate the messenger. Oh, my God. Not the writer of lies. Messenger. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, he's the teller of lies, the father of lies, the king of lies. 
I feel like this wedding thing was bad fake out, in my opinion. Everything he does is a bad fake out. We have something that's going to change everything for everyone. The studio audience will be getting a cruise that none of them will go on. I rest my case, Your Honor. My brother in Christ, that's rude. My sister in Christ, that's true. They wake up after their fantasy suite, and they essentially make it very clear they're going to get engaged. Bunch of kissing here. Brandon's ITMing. Fantasy suite was great, but the proposal will be biblical. He tells her that he slaved over breakfast waiting for them in the hotel room. Obviously, he didn't. Good joke. Brandon confuses his cup of espresso with syrup. They do a couple's ponder off the balcony, and he tells her he's excited to love her forever. And he ITMs having no reservations about proposing. This is his soulmate. Many kisses. We see the Neil Lane sparkler, but we never see the diamond demon. Just the sparkler. Brandon doesn't get the opportunity to choose the ring here, or at least we don't see it in the document. He goes with the final rose pedestal, two roses on it, and Serene ITMs that Brandon has exceeded her wildest dreams of what love could even be. She's never had anyone look at her with tears in their eyes. Brandon sees her coming, produces tear play immediately, as if on cue. Bunch of kisses here. Yeah, he, he really was a stellar player this season. She tells him that she's always yearned for a life-changing love, but never experienced it until she met him. There's only, uh, they have two hearts cut from the same cloth, and she's never felt more seen in her life. He's her best friend, the missing puzzle piece, and soulmate, love level four, and she's never going to take it for granted. He says her full name, Serene Brooke Russell. You know he's serious. He does that a lot, though. It's a common play for him. They've been through every obstacle, but it was the split week when he realized... He never wanted to be without her. So is the split week worth it? Praising the process. Split week destroyed everyone, but it made them stronger. Is it worth it? That's what I'm saying. He's praising the process with this. Praising split week. I'm saying if you have to destroy 41 other people to get two soulmates. I want them to (laughs) make split week better. Yeah, I don't think they're capable of making it better. I don't think they understand it at all, what its function is or how to do it properly. But Serene says she is an everlasting spark. Uh, that hit, or sorry, Brandon says that Serene is an everlasting spark that hit him hard. His happily ever after could have never started until he met her. He loves her forever. He wants to start that forever. Now he gets down on the knee, shows the sparkler, proposal, acceptance, ring on finger, product placement, kiss, kiss, kiss. We see Jill Chin, her head in a box, watching this tearsing. We're engaged. Amazing. She has the rose in hand. We do not see the final roses given. And she says she's waited her whole life to experience this kind of love, and she's found it so happy. DLP then stalks the beach in the harsh light of day. He congratulates them, and he tells them that Brandon has been saying he would marry her today if he could, so DLP did something crazy. <laughs> Last night, I became ordained, and I wrote some words on paper. What? What's going on here? Is he really ordained? Uh, I guess. I thought this was a like a bit that they should have cut. I agree. I don't think it gave us anything valuable. Like, unless he was like, we flew your families here. Let's do this today. It's not believable at all. And I don't even think he was actually ordained. I mean, maybe he did an internet course or something. It's possible. I think you can do that in a matter of hours. But I felt like Mm -hmm. this was all just for the cameras. It didn't work. Why include it? It makes no sense whatsoever. You can very easily lift this. I think they were like... Everyone knows Brandon's going to propose. We need a cliffhanger. So it's going to be, is it a wedding? I mean, he also calls it historic at one point. And it's like, we saw them do this Ben Higgins season just at the reunion show. They enter in the studio in portion 11 and DLP glows them. Let me see that sparkler. 
I don't know if we've ever seen a couple connect so instantly the way you two did. Was this really love at first sight? And Brandon says, hands down, perfect woman for me. Serene says, everything I've ever wanted. So thankful to do life with you. They kiss. Brandon says, you've got kiss me eyes. Just like four TRR puppy dog play through and through. So good. Serene produces tears. And that watching that took her back. She's not usually an emotional person. Brandon jokes, neither am I. Hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> and they love level four. Brandon wipes a tear from Serene's eye. And DLP says, I ran down to the beach with my little book. Never given anyone in the history of Bachelor Nation. I mean, I guess they never did it in a paradise yeah, Reunion, but, but. It, it's just so stupid. It's so dumb to be like, this is historic. I offered you something that you didn't accept. Okay. It was also historic that Wells was in the fucking tiki bar in the first scene. And then you cut him <laughs> out of the thing. You didn't mention that shit. <laughs> Groceries, fucking deep V-neck vest over a white t-shirt was fucking historic. Never seen bachelor royalty in one of those before. Where's the fucking, the history mention of that? It's it just oh my God. it doesn't work. <laughs> Unfortunately, here's here's what we're looking at. Unfortunately. The producers are doing the worst of anyone involved with the show. The players are still fucking bringing it. When you're seeing what Olio's doing, when you're watching that fucking conversation between mm. Johnny and Victoria Fuller, these players are oh fucking working high-level magic. They are trying their fucking hardest to turn in an entertaining show. And the producers just can't fucking get on board. The producers still believe they're the ones who make this show good. It ain't that way anymore. The producer's job is to uphold and facilitate the structure of the game that has been fucking engineered through years, two decades at this point of a crucible of trial and error, experimentation, success, and failure. It's there now. You had it in arguably season 14, season 15, season 16, around there that it was like done and done. Keep it this way forever. Fuck around with a little bit, sprinkle in a little seasoning here and there, but don't fucking rewrite the whole goddamn thing and screw it up. These players, I, I just want better for them. Sir, this is a Wendy's? No, this is not a Wendy's. This is Game this of is Fucking Roses. This is Game of Roses, <laughs> sir. This is not a Wendy's. My sister in crisis is a Wendy's. <laughs> it hasn't been a Wendy's in a couple of years. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. Uh, they let us know that they didn't get married. Uh, you know, they need their families there. Brandon makes a joke about um, his mom said she'd kill him if the families weren't there. Uh, we get applause from the audience. And DLP then reminds us that Zach Shawcross is already on his journey to find love. So get ready for a wild journey with love, heartbreak, and many, many tears. I was not ready for this promo. I know I should have been ready, but I wasn't. I was ready. We get this promo for season 27. Uh, it starts out with Shawcross shirtless working out. And in a shower, and then he's joined in the shower by the Golden Boy, season 17 bachelor, Zion Lowe, the only bachelor to still be married to his ring winner. Beautiful family. They even got a dog. He is essentially scrubbing Zach Shawcross's abdomen in the shower. He himself, on his season, season 17, of course, we all remember, was in the shower multiple times, always shirtless, crashed a fucking sorority viewing party with Dark Lord Harrison. They demanded he remove his clothing. He did so. He gave the fourth audience what they wanted. Here, he is passing the torch. They are essentially saying the golden boy is 
putting his power into Zach Shawcross through his abs with this brush in the shower. You've seen Golden Boy shower. By the way, to porn music. <laughs> of course. That lets you know what they're saying about Zach Shawcross's season is not going to come true. They're already painting him a little bit as a fool, a little bit as somebody that they yes. can manipulate who doesn't really know what's going on here. And that, I think, is going to be the taste of that season. He's a babe in the woods. We might see yeah. a little bit of a return to a Popeye Peter Weber, which I won't be mad at because that season, 24, one of the greatest of all fucking time. Mm -hmm. God. Wouldn't be mad about that at all. And rest assured, you are going to see some very high-level professional play in season 27. But we then see some other piece of this promo. We get some dates. Looks like they might be in London. Some kissing. Shawcross knows what he wants. They're skydiving, football, hot tubs, snorkeling, helicopters, fireworks, Mm -hmm. All the classics. We got it all here. You know we're going to be getting some IFIs on that football date. We see Tears crying on the stairs in the mansion where Pace Case, you yourself, reenacted Tierra Lacazzi, spill down those very same steps. I know. I touched those stairs with my whole body <laughs> in front of a bunch of strangers. <laughs> I was the single member of the fourth audience to Pace Case's recreation of Tierra Lacazzi's spill down the steps in season 17. I'm so excited to return to the mansion now that we've touched it and drank from its waters. Me too. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, we see some players begging for help. Taj Wan shows up. Victoria Fuller is there as the host of a date. Shao Cross is tearsing. And then back in the studio, DLP tells us to tune in Monday on January 23rd to see the journey begin. That is late mm -hmm. in the season. Usually, uh, the Bachelor season starts on the first Monday of every January. However, this time it's going to be, I believe that's the third Monday in that January. Then we get the tag, which is a blooper reel. We did not get a blooper reel this entire reunion, which is rare. And we see Rapini meeting DLP at the gates to hell in his nudity outfit. And DLP is like, fuck this, just go down there. He pretends, I can't look at another nude man even though he then is promoting Sean Lowe scrubbing a nude man in a shower to porn music to open season 27. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a vibe I am into. LOL. Look at these men touching each other. Um, and we see a bunch of creatures in the bloopers. There is some sort of a lemur or something. Justin Glaze runs from a bug. And we see the big ass snake that Andrew Spencer slept beneath two nights in a row. And this giant serpent was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. This giant serpentine creature. That was very certainly placed in the rafters of Andrew Spencer's bunk bedroom by Dark Lord Harrison. I mean, Palmer himself. <laughs> I get them confused because they're very similar as Dark Lords, you see? Oh, my God. A lot going into this, this preamble. <laughs> this serpentine creature who filled Andrew Spencer's gentle mind with nightmares <laughs> night after night in the terrifying confines of his bunk bed from hell was my <laughs> creature of the week. 
going to give it to a serpent virtually every time because serpents are satanic and we know that uh, at its core, the dark lords are as well. And human suffering is what all of these creatures feast on. But also, I'm going to give it to the serpent because what a fucking game plan. I'm going to infiltrate the room they sleep in and stay there for two days? That's guaranteed screen time, baby. I mean, you don't see a creature like that often. We saw that bird on that hot tub every fucking episode. A thick snake? No. No. Not unless it's part of a human churro situation. (laughs) Massage. Not a wild one. It's a tame python used for human (laughs) massage. This was a wild python. No idea what it's going to be able to do. But Spencer lets us in on a little secret here. It was there for two days. So what happens on day one when you tell the producers, um, there's a giant snake in my ceiling. Can I not sleep under it? They just tell you to fuck mm-hmm. off, I guess. Wait, yeah. How did he know it was there two days? Because it was there for two fucking days and they didn't move it. What could be? There's no other explanation. They just didn't give a fuck. Anyway, congratulations, Serpent. You got our creature of the week. I like that you had a conspiracy town in the preamble to your creature of the week. Well, I mean, I don't think DLP actually put it there. What about DLA? There's like a 10% chance he actually put it there, but that's that's probably more likely. He's just out in the woods. That's what he tells Zima. Every time Paradise starts shooting, he's like, I'm going on my mission. And he gets fucking like airdropped into the jungle. Gotta grab my trailers of creatures. Yeah, he's like fucking, you know, in his camouflage gear out there, just like putting sabotages here and there. <laughs> oh, wow. What a season. <laughs> anyway, who was your MVP for this for this final BIP? Who was your MVP? For his perfect 4TRR puppy dog play, carrying through to a 4TRR finale complete with tear play, complete with jokes, complete with, you know, really, I feel like bringing a lot of lightness and levity to this kind of serious good girl, good guy relationship. Brandon Jones was my MMMMVP. I kind of want to give a dual MVP for Mm. their ability to bring back the fun of the villain. Victoria Fuller and Greg Grippo were my MMMMMVP. They were not my MVPs of the season, but they were my MVPs of tonight. Grippo, because he was able to leverage parasocial play and relationships that he had pre-established with Victoria Fuller through just being in the general pool of Bachelor, being in the family. He used that to affect the outcome of an entire season of Bachelor in Paradise and then be essentially the main focus of the two most important portions of the finale. That's unheard of. He came from nowhere, from outside of this. He was not in this Bachelor in Paradise. He wasn't really even in the conversation this entire year. His season of Bachelorette ended a long time ago. He obviously ended that season as a villain. And now to come out and sit on that stage with Victoria Fuller and have Dark Lord Palmer say, I wish you well and hope this works out. I'm not saying it's exactly 
a uh, a blessing, a dark blessing. It's not quite a blessing, and it's not quite a redemption, but it's like I think he knows that, and I think he's like when he came out with that smile on his face, I was like, he's eating this up. That basically, Dark Lord Palmer's gonna have to fucking kneel and kiss that ring. Gonna have to bless in quotes that relationship. Brilliant play. I mean, they kind of, you know, they did business together, them and the producers. Like we saw it was sending the nation into a tizzy. Then we see that parasocial play by fence player Nick Bayel. And we see that he is accepted to a degree by coming on this hot seat and doing this and making that the focal point of the episode, kind of giving it a villain edit with this backdoor Tyler Johnny scene. But, you know, they are the couple to watch in Bachelor Nation right now, I feel. Oh, absolutely. Chaos, king and queen. And I split this MVP with Victoria Fuller because obviously she's the other half of that relationship. And also everything she did tonight, I thought was at the highest level of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with her, whether you don't, if you're for her or against her, it cannot be denied that what she did in the conversation with Johnny was incredibly high level work when she shut down Tyler Norris just immediately. He got one word out of her, <laughs> his mouth, her name, and that was it. Fuck you, sit down and shut up. This is my show. That kind of command of a live stage is super rare in our beloved game. She has the ability to mm-hmm. do it. Stellar fucking play. And it has been a pleasure to call this season with you, Pace Case. I thank you for yes. coming on the ride as well as we always go on it. It's, <laughs> you know, you you and I, we still make it fun clues. And I'm really <laughs> looking forward to, uh, you know, scratch out at the surface, digging another little pit with you with Love is Blind next week. I think it's going to be super fun to go on that journey. I do too. And I would say, keeping in the pit metaphor, it's not as though we're digging a new pit. The pit is the pit. And the pit has other little Mm. chambers, little pits within it. But we're starting this love is blind pit in the bachelor pit. So we've already dug miles down below the earth's crust. Right. It's not a surface level pit. Exactly. Definitely not. (laughs) Because we already know a lot about the game mechanics of it and stuff. Like when I'm watching it, I just see the fucking numbers scrolling through my head. You know, I'm already there. I already understand the language of how to break that game down. Mm -hmm. There'll be a few little bells and whistles we got to put in and figure out. But like, I think it's going to be very fucking fun. And it's not season one. These players have seen you know, players rise to the two million club in season one. Yeah. They're not going in blind. <laughs> yeah. To love is blind. Love may be blind, but fame is not. And we hope you will join us for our recap of the first two episodes of Love is Blind season three. That's going to be out next Tuesday, followed by our top 10 takeaways from this very season of Bachelor in Paradise season eight. God, there were so many. Um, I can't wait to get to that either. And our season ending awards, obviously. But thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we will see you again next Tuesday with that Love is Blind Season 3 recap. And before we go, as always, what is that Dwab app? It has been 7,548 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. And happy Thanksgiving. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 